coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Charlie. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our great friends at My Bookie. It's not too late to jump in on all the college basketball action at MyBookie. Just go to MyBookie.ag, use our promo code UGA when you do so, and you will get a 50% bonus on top of your first deposit if you're a new user. So jump on that deal while you still can. Got a couple of months, guys. So just jump on it while you can. But I am your host, Tyler, and making her triumphant return to the show to recap what we got right and what we got wrong with our 2023 preseason predictions is my co-host and the undisputed star of the podcast, Charlie. Charlie, how has your new year been? It's been a minute. It's been a little cold. Yeah, more than a little cold. I know that you love those things, right? A little, little rainy. It's cold. Yeah, this week, I what's the wind like? 20 miles an hour out there. Yeah, I feel bad for the people that ran the marathon. Yeah, and yeah, that's exactly, yeah, that's right. So if you guys don't know what Charlie's talking about, here in Athens, we had the, it was the inaugural one, right? The first ever. Yes, first we, Classic City Marathon. I yeah, think we've had the called. half for 10, 15 years or something, but a marathon, a full marathon, we've never had. So the, yeah, I think the Classic City Marathon, and it, it looked like all week it was going to rain, so I felt terrible for those people. Because like when you train for something like this for you know three four months and then it rains on race day that's terrible. But then it looked like the weather's gonna be fine and then you wake up and it's like what twenty miles an hour fifty miles an hour wind. That's uh, actually worse than rain. Wouldn't you rather there be rain than that that kind of wind? Yes, I would rather run in wet soggy shoes than. Yeah, I mean wind. both terrible, but yes, I'd I'd rather have the rain. I remember one year, this is forever ago. I did the New Orleans marathon back when it was like a rock and roll marathon, and I was I mean I was like gonna. Break it, break my record, PR, all that stuff, and then like the back end, like I don't know, the last like seemed like ten miles or so of the race is basically like Lake Pontchartrain, and just happened to be kind of like today, like insane winds just blowing in my face as I was trying to finish things up, and uh, yeah, that uh, about killed me. So uh, I certainly empathize with all those people. But yes, it has been cold, it has been windy, it has been wet, but nobody cares about that, Charlie. Let's go ahead and move into what we came here to do today. It's great to have you back, even if it is only for one episode. Are we going to get you back before the season kicks off again? I'm sure, whenever you need me. At some point. At some point. We had to get this done today. We want to get this done about like two, three weeks ago, but as as I mentioned last week, all the breaking news, all the developments, all the emergency pods that I had to do kind of pushed this back. But now's the time. We've got to get to these preseason predictions. We do this every year. Those of you who've been around for a while, you know that. But for those of you who are newer to the podcast, I know there's a lot of you out there, Every year about this time, usually a few weeks earlier, but about this time, we go back and we review what we got right and also, probably more importantly, what we got wrong with our preseason predictions. Of course, it's very easy to pat yourself on the back for what you got right. Anybody can do that, but when you run a podcast like this, at least any self-respecting podcast host, in our opinion, should also hold themselves accountable for the things they got wrong. And, you know, yeah, we like to think that we get more right than we get wrong, but we definitely know about a thousand, and this is the episode where we answer for those terrible preseason predictions. I don't know if we had any terrible ones, but I had maybe one or two that was just like insanely bad. I'm embarrassed of, which I'm sure we'll get into today. But I think all in all, it seemed pretty solid, right, Charlie? I mean, it's not horrible. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen. We didn't nail it. I think we can say that we didn't nail it. But we also, I don't think we like you know, face planted or anything. 
there are some teams that did better than I thought they would, and I'm glad for them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Missouri being one of them off the top of my head. That's that, that, the exact uh, one I'm thinking. Yeah, of. I think there's two that I got really. Wrong. I was really low on Missouri, too low on Missouri, and I was too high on Kentucky. Those are my two biggest misses this year. But outside of that, I think I did pretty well for the most part. Yeah. Right. We'll get to we'll get to all. Of it. So where are we going to start, Charlie? We're, We're going to st- start in the SEC East. The final year. The final. R.I.P. SEC East. It is no more. Yeah, It does not exist anymore. So, we're going to start with UGA. Curtis, Tyler, and I all had them going 12-0, which is exactly what they did. So, check, check, and check. Which means we all nailed that one. Yes. Is that the only one that we all got right? Um, no, there were a couple others that That we all got right? That that we all three got right? Within like a game, yeah. So, is is that the measuring stick here? Like... Within a game, we're, we're going to give us give ourselves like a thumbs yeah, up on that I think, one? I think, I think yeah. that's fair. But I think this, that's fair. I think this was the but only one where we nailed it. Nailed where we it. all three got the exact pick. Correct. And I got to say, I think I feel like this is the one that we took the most grief over. People were calling us homers, saying, I mean, three years in a row, I mean, you should say 12-0. and 0, And it's like, yeah, with that schedule, of course, yeah. And I think, I still think, you know, as we talked about all year, we were the best team. And Charlie, I don't know what you're doing. You're like making faces at the microphone. And like, I don't, I feel like people can't used- see this right now, but you're just like, you're craning your neck in every possible different direction looking at your microphone. And I'm not sure what's happening right now. I feel like it used to have a light and I'm not seeing the light. So I'm wondering if this is actually being recorded. Well, it has been oh, there what, it is. about okay. three months since it. you've been on the show. Okay. okay. No, no, now, no, now, no, no. It's been a month and a half. You know, I'm just Ish. making sure that everything is up and running like it's supposed to. Well, all you, do, all you have to do is ask me, Charlie, because I've been making sure things up and running. I, I see the light. This is you got recording. It? You yes. see the light? I'm yes. glad you see the light, All right, Charlie. moving on. Tennessee. They went 8-4. and four. You were the closest on this one. You had them going 9-3, and three, so you get a check for being within a game. Curtis and I had them going 10-2. and two. Luckily, they didn't do that well. No, they did not, Charlie. And for me... My my rationale behind this pick having them at nine and three was pretty simple. It's one guy, Joe Milton. Not that Joe Milton was terrible. He was not terrible. And I didn't think he was gonna be terrible coming into the year, but I knew that he was not gonna be Hendon Hooker, number one. And and beyond just Joe Milton, I guess I shouldn't say it's just Joe Milton. I felt very strong that their offense would not be nearly as prolific this year as it was a year ago in 2022. Why? Yes, Joe Milton's the number one reason there. I think Hinton Hooker was just a far better quarterback, and we all saw that play out. And also, their skill positions. They just simply did not have the receivers that they had in 2022. The Blitnikoff Award winner, Jalen Hyatt, no longer there. And if you looked at who they had backing those guys up last year, none of them had the profile of anyone like Jalen Hyatt or even Cedric Tillman. They didn't have those guys. And yeah, I mean, you have Brew McCoy. Brew McCoy is always a possession receiver. He went down about halfway through the year anyway. So they were just left with a bunch of like, okay guys a receiver when you have Joe Milton back there and not Hendon Hooker it's probably not going to go as well for you as it did the year before now all in all they still didn't do that much or like what two games worse they were 10 and 2 in 2022 8 and 4 this year but that's kind of about what I expected I expected 9 and 3 8 and 4 I gave them the benefit of the doubt because I thought that they would beat Florida I knew that game was in Gainesville I was not high on Florida as we'll get to here momentarily but I thought that's a game Tennessee would win and I think if they went back and played that game again Tennessee would win that game that's just one of those games did not play well early in the year Florida played really well at home it was a night game and hey give the Gators credit they won that one didn't win many of them but they won that one but that's the only thing I really got wrong with Tennessee I thought they'd win that game. I thought they'd go 9-3, and three, but they ended up going 8-4. and four, So, I'll take it within one game. Not too bad. All right. Now we have South Carolina. They ended up going 5-7. and seven. You nailed that one. Good for you. Yep, Congratulations. Nailed that one, yep. I had 
the inverse of that, I had them going seven and five, and Kurt had them going six and six. So you guys both got it, or Kurt got it for a game and a half, and I did not. So good for y'all. He got it in the game and a half. What? Within uh, a game. Within a game. Okay, and, yes. I, and I got five and seven. Yeah. So what did you see, what did you know about this South Carolina team that I didn't? I don't know if there was anything I, I didn't that I knew that you didn't know. I just wasn't as high on their overall roster. And Spencer Rattler was a part of that. Now, I will give Spencer Rattler credit. He played far better this year than he did at any point last year. And he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league, although his numbers might not tell you that because he had a porous offensive line. They simply could not protect the guy. Didn't really have much run game for the first half of the year. Got it going late in the year to a degree. But I looked at this roster and I was saying, why on earth do we think South Carolina is going to be a 7-8 win team? Which a lot of people did because of the way they ended 2022. Obviously beating Tennessee, beating Clemson, all that momentum coming into the offseason. Everyone was just all over Shane Beamer, the greatest coach of all time. He was, he was getting a lot of like the Dan Mullen treatment where everyone loves you, thinks you're great, falling all over you, falling all over you, and really you're just a fraud. And that's kind of the situation with Shane Beamer. I didn't believe in Shane Beamer. Really, that's more than anything. The roster in Shane Beamer... He's a tryhard. The roster wasn't near what it needed to be to go seven and seven and five, eight and four in back to back years. They lucked into that at the end of last year. Yeah, they won those games, but there were some extenuating circumstances there. Give them credit. They won the games. But I just did not see that as something that was going to be sustainable heading into 2023 when you looked at the totality of their roster plus their schedule. So five and seven, I mean, I, I did just what you did, Charlie. We all, you and I, Curtis. We go up and down the helmet schedule. We pick every single game in the SEC. That's what we do in the preseason. We pick every single game. And I picked every game for South Carolina when it came out. It's five and seven. I looked at it and said, huh? I don't know. If, I don't know. Five and seven might be a little low, but you know what? That's what I got. So I went with it and lo and behold, five and seven it was. All right. So next up, Florida. Wow. They did better than I thought. I had them going three and nine. You were not a Florida I believer. Was- I was not. Was that just wishful thinking on your part? Probably, yes. But I also have... Honestly, um, Charlie, that wasn't like insane because they beat Tennessee, but were they really better than Tennessee last year? No. I, I feel like that might have been one of the last teams I looked at, and I have a bad attention span, so it probably came down to me not wanting so to said, eh. rework stuff. <laughs> Fair they got enough. a lot of losses. Only so much b- bandwidth, right? So Florida ended up going five and seven. Kurt had them four and eight, and you had them four and eight. So I wasn't that far off. Yeah, so if Tennessee had beaten Florida, then I would have gotten both those right. I would have gotten Tennessee at nine and three and Florida at four and eight. That was the only thing I got wrong between those two teams. I thought Tennessee would go into Gainesville and beat Florida. I was like you, not high on Florida. I, I guess a game higher. Uh, why was I not higher on Florida? Pretty simple. Uh, the quarterback situation, number one, although I will give Graham Mertz credit. That guy was far better this year than I anticipated he would be. And he, he was just a different player. Like what we saw at Wisconsin, that guy was dreadful. So clearly part of that was just the Wisconsin offense. At Florida, he wasn't great, but he was a, a more than competent quarterback. He was a good quarterback. But offensive line-wise, is another issue I, I felt like they would have last year. They were not good enough there. Defensively, they just didn't have any. Who were the difference makers? They didn't have the difference makers. They had two good running backs, which I felt going into the season would be their their top players offensively, and that's how that worked out. Didn't really have enough at, at the receiver position. Ricky Pearsall had a really, really good year for them. But again, offensive line, not any good. Defense, who are the playmakers? They simply didn't have those guys. And then if you put all that together with the fact that their schedule was a murderer's row, 
I, there's no way they're going to have a winning record. And that's what I told you guys in the preseason. I said, maybe they'll go five and seven. Maybe they get to five. But there's no way with that schedule, this team gets to six and six. There's no way they get to 500. And I got it wrong. I had, I'm at four and eight, so I didn't get five and seven, but got within one game. And yeah, I'm not surprised by that one bit. All right. Well, the what's the phrase I'm looking for? I don't know. Missouri. Bounce like, back, surprise. Bounce back, surprise. Where did you come there, from? There's another term. I'll think of it later. Um, they were the star of the season in the SEC East. Unexpected. Whoa, 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 whoa. Star of the season? I believe the team no. that went undefeated would be the star of the season. Well, we knew that was going to happen. Curtis had them going five and seven. You had them at six and six, and I had them at seven and five. So I was closest, but they ended up going ten and two, which is So none fantastic. of us were close. No. Well, fantastic for them. Yes, I think that's great for their program. I, I'm in a weird situation with Missouri because I love that town. I think Como is an awesome town. Really nice people when we go there. But I hate Eli, Eli Drinkwitz. The guy is just like, he is, like, talk about try hard. He, is he worse than Shane Beamer? Is he no. worse than Shane Beamer? No. Why? Why is he? he why isn't is he better? He annoy me like Shane. Why? Beamer. Did you see what he did to Josh Heupel going out there? I, we stayed on business, Josh. I mean, are yes. you kidding me? Even Shane Beamer would not do that. Mm, he would not I, do that. Yeah. He I, would just say something stupid in a press conference. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. They both suck. Don't like either one of those guys. So what did you see, Charlie? Give him a seven and five. You were a little higher on them than both of us. They're good defense. They're running back. Yeah, Cody Name, Schrader. Cody Schrader did well. I mean, yeah, they just pulled it all together. Yeah, I mean, they did. I, they did. I will say for me. Cinderella story. That's the term I was looking for. The Cinderella story. I mean, compared okay. to what people thought no, they no, were going to th- do. That's that's actually a great term, Charlie. That that perfectly applies I there. told you I would remember. Yeah, that was not on my tongue. I'm glad that you remembered. All right. Well, thank you for bursting in there with that, Charlie. I appreciate that. The reason I got this wrong is Brady Cook. I did not think that Brady Cook would be nearly as good as he was. Why did I not think that he would be as good as he was? Because he hadn't been at any point in his career. In fact, he was a liability for them his first two years in Como, and he stepped up in a big way this year. Sure, Luther Burden had a lot to do with that, but it was way more than just that. Brady Cook, I mean, Luther Burden and Dominic Lovell were on that team in 2022. Brady Cook took a massive step forward, guys. He reworked his entire release during the offseason. They, they brought in two quarterbacks to compete with him. I guess they brought in one. They had Sam Horn from Collins Hill already on the roster, and they brought in Jake Garcia, who actually played at Grace, and so two former Gwinnett County procs. I guess Jake Garcia played in California, then transferred and played his senior year at Grayson. So I don't know if you can call him a Gwinnett County product, but played in Gwinnett County. But those two guys were there to compete with him all offseason long. I actually thought there was a good chance one of those guys would take the job from him in the preseason, but I was wrong. Brady Cook, give this guy credit. He's just built the right way. He's a Mizzou guy. He's wanted to play for Missouri his entire life, lifelong Missouri fans, all he's ever wanted. And he just goes and he works. You know, We have some guys like that in our program, and he's one of those that they have in the Missouri program. And look, I, I'm actually happy for that guy, as long as they're not playing us, because, I mean, that is, again, like, you know, I can try to put myself in, in his shoes. If I was a lifelong Missouri fan, that's all I ever want to do is play quarterback in Missouri. And I'd worked my entire life for that. And I'd given everything I possibly could, which as hard as I could to get to that point. And I felt like the entire fan base hated me and they weren't behind me. They were calling for my job, calling for my head and all that stuff. I can't imagine what that would be like. This guy just kept working, kept working, and he came back with a massive bounce back year. And he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Now, he fell off later in the year, 
But still, he was one of the better quarterbacks in the league. Now, the, the other big surprise for me, you said that you believed in Cody Schrader, Charlie. I knew Cody Schrader was a good running back after 2022. I did not see SEC leading rusher Cody Schrader. I did not see that coming. So the combination of Brady Cook making as much improvement as he did this year from 2022 to 2023, and Cody Schrader, I don't want to say bursting on the scene because he'd already been at Missouri, but Cody Schrader becoming the SEC's leading rusher, did not have that on my SEC 2023 bingo card. Did not have that. So that's really why I got that wrong. So kudos to them. I was way off. That was, I mean, that was my biggest swing and miss. Six and six. Uh, yeah, they went 10 and two. Not even close. Yeah, I just like to see people take advantage of the opportunities they're given, and I think they definitely did. Yeah, I'll give him that. And again, I'm really happy for Brady Cook because that guy had taken a lot, a lot of criticism from a fan base that he loved. And he just, there was a quote I saw in one of the games where he was like, all I've wanted my entire life was to be the Missouri quarterback. I love Missouri. I love the Missouri fans. I just wish, and I, I just wish they loved me. I wish, wish they wanted me to be the quarterback too. And I was like, oh my God, that's heartbreaking stuff. But it's okay now because they love the guy now. Yeah. Okay. Next up, we have Kentucky, who you were way too high on. Yep. These are my two two misses, Missouri and Kentucky. You had them going ten and two. Curti- yep. Curtis had the Cats going eight and four. I had them going seven and five. They ended up going seven and five, so I nailed that one. You were way off. What What did you think was going to happen in Kentucky that did not happen in Kentucky? Well, I thought Devin Leary would actually be, uh, I don't know, a, a good quarterback. You know, this guy, when he wasn't hurt at NC State, he was very good back in 2021. The guy was awesome. One of the better quarterbacks in the country, at least statistically. And I watched a guy play a lot. He was good. But injuries kind of derailed him a little bit at NC State. He was maybe going to possibly lose that job. Maybe not. He has some competition with MJ Morris. So he transfers to Kentucky, get a fresh start. So it's, it was the combination of Devin Leary going to Kentucky, and the return of Liam Cohen, who was their coordinator in 2021 when they had the best offense they've ever had in the entire Mark Stoops era. I felt those two coming together would be really good for Kentucky. And They've always had a good defense. They were good defensively. They weren't as good as maybe I thought that they would be. They were still good. I felt Ray Davis was going to be really good for them. I liked what I saw from him at Vanderbilt. He was honestly probably a little bit better than I even thought he would be. But the problem for Kentucky was... Devin Leary, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't. I don't know what happened. He wasn't He wasn't even hurt. He just wasn't that guy. Now, maybe he was coming in in one year and just trying to adjust to an entirely new offensive system in one year, and it just wasn't clicking. But it was beyond that. I mean, we're just talking about like, even some guys that were wide open, just flat out missing them and missing them badly, especially early in the season. He came on a little bit late, but by then it was too late, and they were a team that had to win that final game on the road in a rivalry spot against Louisville to get to 7-5. and five. And thank God they did because I went big on them, as I was saying all year long. I went big on them in a, in a preseason win total bet. I had them over six wins, and uh, yeah, they, they nailed it. Made me sweat. Made me sweat more than a little bit, but uh, they fortunately hit it late in the season. But yeah, that, that's really what went wrong for me there is I just, they didn't hit the quarterback position like I thought they would. And I said on the episode that we did back in August when we were laying out these preseason predictions, you guys go back and run the tape. I said at the time, this is probably very, very aggressive and probably too aggressive. But every year I like to take a swing on a team and this year it was Kentucky and I uh, was, a, it was a big swing and miss. That was a whiff. It was a whiff. Not even close. So uh, yeah, I got to own that one. All right, last team in the SEC East that we're going to talk about and just dead last is Vandy. Uh, the Commodores ended up going 2-10. and 10. Oh, man. You and I were both hoping they would go 4-8. and eight. Didn't happen. Curtis had them going 3-9, and nine, so he was definitely the closest. I mean, that, I mean, that's a gut punch for Vandy. They were one game away from ball eligibility in 2022, 5-7. and seven. 
and they bounce back to two and ten. Yeah, that's painful. That's tough. And they weren't even close, Charlie. I mean, it, I mean, Vandy, Vandy rarely is, but these weren't close losses. They were just getting smacked around. I don't want to spend too much time on Vanderbilt because it's Vanderbilt. What went wrong here is A.J. Swan, who was a freshman in 2022, who did some good things for them. They thought he was the QB of the future. And so did I. I thought he was the QB of the future for Vandy as well. Did not work out that way. Um, he's gone. He's transferred out. They now have Diego Pavia, who was a guy at New Mexico State who's transferred in there, who actually... They actually might be decent this year. We'll see. Now, you know, no SEC East, no, no divisions. We'll see how that plays out. I got to actually go back and look at their schedule. But uh, AJ Swan did not work out, and that was the issue. Now, they weren't good on defense, sure, but they had a, some really good skill players. I mean, you got Will Shepard, you got London Humphreys, who's now on our roster, Jade McGowan, three really, really good receivers, some playmakers at the receiver position when you have a quarterback that just simply cannot get you the football consistently and just made mistake after mistake after mistake and just was a turnover machine. That's why he ultimately lost that job. And they go back to, to Kenny Sills, who had not played in two years because he was supposed to be their quarterback of the future at one point, and then he face-planted, and then he was on the bench for two years, and then A.J. Swan face-planted, and they bring Kenny Sills back, and it was just a disaster for Vanderbilt. So, yeah, I mean, at 4-8, and eight, I thought, you know, with what they had coming back, that was a reasonable expectation, but clearly not. Two and ten is what it ended up being. All right, before we move on to the SEC West, how about we take a break here and remind our friends about our other good friends at my bookie, Charlie. You're reading my mind here. Yes, my bookie, guys, they're the best out there. If you're looking to lay some money down on some college basketball games this college basketball season, there's no better place to do that at than my bookie. They've got all the betting options that you could possibly want. Of course, they've got some parlays that you guys know that I'm a big fan of. They've got live betting options. They've got team totals. They've got all the regular totals. They got cash pools. All sorts of different things you guys and you can play some future bets down. If you've already seen that team that you're convinced is going to win the national championship, go ahead and put a bet down them right now. Put that future on them right now to win the national title and watch it pay out come March, come April. And to get started, it's so easy, guys. It really cannot be easier. Just go to mybookie.ag, use our promo code. I've been telling you about it for months, UGA, and then you get a 50% bonus on whatever it is that you deposit that first time. If you deposit 100 bucks, you get an extra 50. If you deposit 200, you get an extra 100. You guys get the idea. So if you're a new user, take advantage of that now while you can. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only with my bookie. On to the SEC West. Last time we will discuss the SEC West. RIP. All right. So we're going to start from the top. Bama ended up going 11-1. and I nailed that one. Thank you very much. You did. You did, Charlie. Curtis Kudos. had them going nine and three, and you had them going ten and two. So you get credit for being within a point, a game, excuse me. Yeah, these are games, they're not points. So why were you not a Bama believer at the beginning of the season? Well, that's a fair question, Charlie. And I think it'd probably be fair to call me a Bama hater throughout most of the season. I, I pretty consistently did not believe in them, and they I guess they made me look like a fool because they did beat us in the SEC Championship game and they did get the college football playoff. I still don't think Bama was a college football playoff team. I don't think, they, I really don't. I don't think they were one of the four best teams. I know that sounds crazy. I don't think they were one of the four best teams in the country. If all teams had stayed healthy, including Florida State, I do not think Bama was one of the four best teams in the country. I think they were a team that was very, very, very good and plenty good enough to beat one of those four best teams on any given day if one of those four best teams did not play their best game, which we saw play out in the SEC Championship game. But I don't think throughout the totality of the season, Bama played 
like one of the four best teams. Now, at the end of the day, they got in. But if you go back and you can look at metrics, I'm not a huge metric guy. I'm more of an eye test guy. I definitely use metrics. But my eye test and the metrics told me that Bama was not one of the four best teams. Let's not forget, guys, they were a true miracle away from from losing to Auburn. They, they had no business even beating Auburn. And they turn around next week, they beat us. Again, because they were good enough, had enough talent probably the most talented, I mean, according to the, the blue chip ratio, the most talented team in the country, and really wasn't particularly close. So they had enough talent that if they played really, really well, and everything's aligned for them on a given day against a team like Georgia, who I do think was one of the four best teams, and that team, Georgia, did not play well, then Bama could win that game. And that's what happened. They played a very good game against us in the SEC title. We played the worst game I've seen us play in probably three years, and they still only beat us by three points, because, and not largely because of a fraudulent call. So no, I, I still would maintain that they were not one of the four best teams in the country. I think they were probably one of the six to six to eight best teams in the country. I'd put them in that category. But who cares what I think? They got in the playoffs and it is what it is. The reason I did not buy them coming this season was, okay, if you couldn't get the playoff with Bryce Young, you're going to get there with whoever at quarterback and, of course, whoever ended up being Jalen Milrow. And I just felt that that was a very bad situation. I didn't think they had the answer at quarterback. I still am not sure they had the answer at quarterback. We saw that through most of the year, but I will give them credit. They Late in the season, they adjusted their offense to fit Jalen Milrow. And Jalen Milrow, to his credit, was a good vertical passer. When guys were running wide up down the field, he could hit that. He did that very well. He's a super, super talented guy, but he's still very much learning how to play that position. He's still very much a work in progress. I knew they would be good defensively, but I had questions with the with the quarterback situation. I had questions at receiver. Who who was their who was that guy for them? Who was their Devontae Smith? Who was their Jerry Judy? Who was their Jalen Waddle? They had good receivers. They didn't have a guy like that. So that's why I had questions about Bama coming into the year. And I think those questions largely held up. Give them credit. They won some very close games this year. Bama usually does not play close games in the regular season of the SEC, not as many as they played this year. And then give them credit when they had to in the biggest moment in the SEC championship game, they just came out with a better performance than we did. And that's what happened. They played better than we did. That, that's on us, but uh, I still don't think Bama was one of the four best teams, and um, I didn't think so before the season, and I'm still convinced after the season that they were one of the six to eight best teams, not one of the four best teams. Well, Brian Kelly and the LSU Tigers ended up going 9-3 and three in his second season in Baton Rouge, which I was a lot higher on them, as were you not as high as I was. I had them going 11-1, and one, as did Curtis, and you had them going 10-2. and two. So what didn't happen at LSU that you thought was going to happen? I thought they played better defense, Charlie. Offensively, there's the, that LSU offense really rivaled the 2019 LSU offense. I mean, that was an insane offense that we just watched at LSU. And it's, honestly, if I was an LSU fan, I'd be freaking pissed that we see that kind of offense, the best offense in the country, bar none, and you go 9-3, and three? because your defense was that bad. Their defense could not stop anything. Yeah, they dealt with a couple of injuries up front, sure, but not to the degree that it should have derailed that season to the point they went 9-3. and three. With that offense, with that offense, Charlie. So that's what I didn't see. I mean, I, I thought, honestly, I didn't think they, they would be that good offensively. I thought they would be very good because I was high on Jade Daniels, high on the receiving talent, but I thought they'd be better on defense. That's why I had them 10-2. and two. Um, Honestly, they're very lucky to go 9-3 and three with how bad that defense was. It's a testament just how good and explosive that offense was, how good Jaden Daniels was, because, I mean, good God, that defense was an absolute sieve all year long. That doesn't even really do justice to what it was. It was 
one of the worst SEC defenses I've seen in quite some time. Okay, well, next up, mm. Texas A&M Aggies. This is Ooh. another one that I think we all missed on. So I, three big Ooh. ones I missed, yeah. Mizzou, Kentucky, and A&M. Well, we all had them going 10-2, and, mm. and they ended up going mm. um, an impressive 7-5. and five. Oh, man. Got rid of their bad. coach. Bad, bad. Um, lost a lot of players to the transfer portal. So who knows what next season will hold for them. But I'm embarrassed year, by this pick. They well, just tanked. Were you embarrassed by this pick? Yes. Like looking back on it, I'm like, what was I thinking? Like when I look back at the the Missouri pick and the Kentucky pick, I'm not that embarrassed by it because I like I know what I was thinking and it just didn't work out that way. You know, you, you saw with Kentucky, you saw Devin Lears get a big step back. I didn't, how do you know that's going to happen? With Missouri, you saw Brady Cook take a massive step forward. How would you know that was going to happen? You saw a guy like Cody Schrader go from like an afterthought, like backup running back to being the SEC's leading rusher. How did how could you possibly predict that? When I look back at Texas A&M and I'm like, how could I have not seen this? That's so easily predictable that Jimbo Fisher and that culture he had created at Texas with, or Texas A&M was just gonna was gonna fall apart. And I am absolutely embarrassed that I. Had them going ten and two. Like, I, what was I possibly thinking there, Charlie? That was a, uh, but that was a big swing and miss for me. And I gotta, I gotta own that one. I gotta own that one big time. That was bad. The reason I had them going ten and two is I, I thought that Wegman looked good late in twenty twenty two. I thought he'd be an upgrade, and I really thought Bobby Petrino coming into A and M with his track record running offenses would be a major upgrade over the antiquated system that Jimbo Fisher had been running at AM since he got there. And I thought that was two big things that were holding them back. Number one, their culture. I thought they might have gotten that largely cleaned up with all those guys that transferred out prior to last season. I was wrong there. And then number two, I thought that Bobby Petrino would fix their offense, which had been a, a major problem for them. It was just too old school, and it wasn't taking advantage of all the modern advances in, in college football offensively. And so I thought Petrino would fix that. I was wrong on both accounts. I, I thought that Jimbo would allow him to run his thing, and I'm not sure that that's exactly what happened. I'm really not. And I do think they would have gone better than 7-5 and five if Wegman had not gotten hurt. I mean, he got hurt you know, a quarter of the way through the season, was out for the year. So I do think that kept them from being maybe, they might have gotten 8-4, who knows, maybe 9-3. and three? I don't know. Uh, they would have gotten 10-2. Ten, ten they were at no point they're going to be a 10-2 team. That's on me. I think they could have been better than 7-5 and five if, if Wegman didn't get hurt. And also, Max Johnson got hurt. So their top two quarterbacks got hurt. And they're playing with like a, a third-string freshman the back half of the year. So that certainly hurt them. But yeah, I mean, they were not going to go 10-2. It didn't matter if, about injuries. I was just wrong there. And yep, got to own that one. Okay, well, Auburn, Hugh Freeze, in his first year as an Auburn Tiger, they ended up going 6-6. Six and six. Guess at least they got to bowl eligibility. I did not have them getting to bowl eligibility. I had them going five and seven, whereas you and Kurt nailed it with six and six. So, what did Hugh Freeze do well and not do well? Okay, first, Charlie. Hugh Freeze, Eli Drinkwitz, Shane Beamer. Rank them. Oh, definitely. Who Eli do you hate Dr the most? Oh, who do I hate the most? Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze. Number, he's got to be number one. If he's not number one, I, no, yeah. it's got to be. Yeah. Hugh Freeze. Shane Beamer. Beamer Drinkwitz. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Just had to get your thoughts on that. Agreed. Okay. So what did what did they do well? What did they do not well? Okay. Yes. Well, they uh, couldn't complete a forward pass, Charlie. That was the issue. I. It's a miracle they got to six and six. Let's just be real. With the situation they had at quarterback, 
It is an absolute miracle they got to 6-6. Six and six. I mean, and kudos to them for that. They ran the ball well. We saw that up, hand, up close and personal uh, in Auburn in Jordan-Hare Stadium Week 5. That was a very frustrating game to watch. So they ran the ball well, and that traditionally Hugh Freeze has done that. Now, he's actually taking the play call. He's fired everybody, so he's taking the play call and dudes over, which of course he is. I mean, that was, that was going to happen. But they just simply didn't have playmakers. You looked at their, their roster, had the season, and you're like, okay, well, who are their playmakers? I mean, Hunter at running back? I mean, yeah, okay, he's solid. I mean, he's a game changer? No. Who are their game changers? They simply did not have them. The same thing defensively. They, they were solid defensively. I thought they would be coming into the season, and that's really why they got to 6-6, six and six, is offensively they were not very good. Um, but yeah, I mean, th- that was what kept them from going higher than 6-6, six and six, Charlie, is that they just simply could not throw the football. And uh, again, I think it's a miracle with their inability to complete the forward pass in the SEC. They even got to 6-6. Six and six. It really is. Well, in last place in the SEC West, it breaks my heart. Do we even have to go there? Arkansas. Poor Sam Pittman. Disgusting. Poor Sam Pittman. Poor Sam Pittman. It's Sam Pittman's fault. Whose fault is it? I know, but he's a nice guy. He is a nice guy. I I do want Sam to do well. I do. You and I had him, him, them, going eight and four, and Curtis had them going nine and three. And they ended up going four and eight. So I, I mean, bad decisions, especially on the quarterback part, specifically at Texas A and M. Um, I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I never understood coming this season. I never understood the KJ Jefferson love. I mean, people were almost universally talking about him as the best returning quarterback in the SEC. That he was going to be the best quarterback in the SEC. And I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm saying, do y'all watch games? Do you actually watch games? I know I know, I do, and I, I watched all, every game they played in 2022 because I had a win total bet on them, as you all know. And now uh, he was hurt for you know half the year, and that's why I went back. I went back to the well. I went back to the well and went in on Arkansas again this year to go over six wins, and they let me down yet again. Yes, guys, I have learned my lesson. I have finally learned my lesson. It's over for me. Arkansas is dead to me. Now, why did I make that bet on them, and why did I have them going 8-4 and four in the preseason? Well, while I didn't think KJ Jefferson was a great quarterback. I didn't think he was the best quarterback in the SEC in, in no way, but I felt he was a solid guy and I felt he did things well. And it just it just made sense to me that they were going to lean into what he did well this season, but that's not what happened. So let's go back to the 2023 offseason. So Kendall Bryles left. He went to TCU and they brought in Dan Enos. They brought him back to Fayetteville. He had been in Fayetteville previously under Brett Bielema. He had been at Alabama and he'd gone to the NFL. Now he's back at Arkansas. And previously when he was at Arkansas, I thought that Enos did a pretty damn good job under Bielema. And considering the success that Arkansas had had using KJ Jefferson's legs with Kendall Bryles, it just made too much sense to me. Of course, any self-respecting offensive coordinator, anyone with a brain would say, okay, yeah, this guy, what he does well is he runs the football. He's a big tank that can that can move. He's mobile. He's got a good arm, but he doesn't read defense as well. He's not very accurate with the football. He's a very, very, very poor decision maker. Yeah, let's run this guy. Well, that's the exact opposite of what Dan Enos did. This guy tried to make him a drop back passer, and that is not what KJ Jefferson is. He never has been. He never will be that. That's not what this guy is. But he kept trying to fit him into that. It was a square peg, Ron Hill scenario, and I was ripping what little hair I have left out of my head all season long watching that. It got to the point I just I, I couldn't watch anymore. I just had to turn the games off. It was disgusting. And sitting there watching what they were doing with KJ Jefferson, just misusing him. So he doesn't really fit that. And the, you didn't really have receivers that really kind of fit that offense either. What are you possibly doing? So that was a big issue. And then on top of that, Raheem Sanders, who 
was one of the better returning running backs in the league this year. He missed about two-thirds of the season with an injury. So when KJ Jefferson couldn't throw the ball, they really had no run game to turn to. And it all led to Danny Enos being fired. He got fired midseason, which is like, yeah, of course, fire the freaking guy. He's terrible. He's destroying your team. Because defensively, they were actually good. They weren't great, but they were good. And that was the problem in 2022. They were fine on offense in 2022. That's not why they went 5-7. and seven. They went 5-7 in 2022 because their defense was terrible. But they made dramatic improvements on that side of the ball this year. They were actually solid. They were pretty good. They were good enough to go 8-4 and four on defense. But their offense fell off a cliff because Dan Enos committed malpractice. So that's what I got wrong. I got it wrong with Dan Enos. I thought he would do a better job. I thought he would just, I don't know, use his quarterback skill set and do what he does best. But no, Dan Enos was a genius. He knew better. No, let's do something totally different. Okay, we only have a couple teams left in the SEC West. Next is Ole Miss, who ended up going 10-2, and which is the best record they've had they, 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 they end up with 11 wins. They never had 11 right. wins in the history of the program. Right, yeah. but in the SEC or their regular season yeah. schedule, 10-2. and two. So good for Lane Kiffin. Uh, I had them going 7-5. and five. You and Curtis had them going 8-4. and four. So they ended up doing a lot better. I mean, we know that he's an offensive mind. Uh, what do you think really helped them get over your predicted 8-4 and four to 10-2? and two? I want to just give Ole Miss a pat on the back here, guys. Like A round of applause for Ole Miss. I thought that they were going to be a good football team coming in this year. I thought with the right schedule, they were 10-2 and two good. However, if you looked at that schedule in preseason, I mean, that was a, other than Florida, I think it was the toughest schedule in the SEC. I mean, you look at that schedule on paper coming into the year, and you've got at Tulane in week two. You've got at Alabama, LSU back-to-back. Then you've got at Auburn. Uh, you know, I thought they probably win that game, but still, you know, tricky game. you got Texas A&M at home at Georgia right after A&M. And you look at that and you're like, okay, man, like, I mean, they're not beating Alabama, right? They're not going to beat Georgia. Are they going to beat LSU after Alabama? I mean, the Bama body blow theory, right? Are they going to win at Tulane? It's a tough game. Tulane's returning Michael Pratt at quarterback. And then Texas A&M with all the talent they have on that roster. It's like, man, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think they're going to be a pretty good team. I, I like what they have. I like Quinshaw Judkins. I think Jackson Dart's a pretty solid quarterback. They have some good receivers. But can they get better than 8-4? With that schedule? And yeah, the answer is yes, they could. Now, there's a couple things, a couple reasons here. Now, LSU, they won the game. Give them credit. But that was, that was such a fun game to watch. Was it 55 49, something like that? Something crazy wild. They said outscore LSU, and they had the ball ass, and they scored just enough points to win that football game. So that was a really fun game to watch. Didn't beat Alabama, kept it within two touchdowns, kept it relatively close. At Tulane, they got lucky. Michael Pratt was hurt, did not play in that game. Maybe they would have won anyway, probably would have won anyway. But Certainly helped that Michael Pratt was not playing that game. A&M was not good, um, but they still only beat A&M by three points at home. So, you know, I almost got that one right. I knew they wouldn't beat us, as we all know, 52-17. So, yeah, I mean, I, I was I was wrong here. I was, uh, what, two games off of them going 8-4. and four. They could have easily lost the LSU game. They won it. Give them credit. Could have easily lost the A&M game. They won it. Give them credit. In the preseason, I had them losing both those games, and that's where I went wrong. Margins are small, and sometimes... You just miss, and that's what happened with me. But I did think they would be a good team. Uh, just a few more bounces went their way than I thought would. The last team we need to discuss is Mississippi State, who ended up going 5-7, and seven, which is one game better than you and Kurt, Curtis had them at 4-8. and eight. I had them going 5-7. and seven. Um, So Mississippi State, not great. 
Zach Arnett got fired in the middle of the year. Will Rogers ended up transferring to Washington at the end of the season. And it then was, decommitted from Washington yeah. and then transferred back to Washington. Yes, yeah. and he had a very active December. Uh, yeah, so what's your take on the final season of, or I guess the end of the season review for Mississippi State? <laughs> This is about what I expected. They did win one game I did not think that they would win. I had them going 4-8, they go 5-7. and seven. The game that they won that I did not think that they would win was Arizona. I think it was week two, they beat Arizona 31-24 in overtime. If you guys pay attention to Arizona, I don't know if you did, but by the end of the season, Arizona was a really good football team. I mean, they might have been, by the end of the season, they had an argument to be the best team in the Pac-12. I, I I know that Washington went to the playoff, won the Pac-12, and they were probably better than Arizona. But Arizona was right there by the end of the year. If they would have played in the Pac-12 championship game, I think that would have been a lot of fun. So if Arizona and Mississippi State had played in Week 11 as opposed to Week 2, Arizona would have murdered them. But they played in Week 2. Why does that matter? Well, Arizona had a different quarterback. Jaden Delora was their quarterback. Noah Fafita took over Jaden Delora about a third of the way into the season and never looked back, never handed the job back. He was a redshirt freshman. Jalen Lord was a vet, been around for a long time. He was a turnover machine. So back to Arizona, Mississippi State. Arizona dominated that football game. I watched every second of that game. It was a fun game to watch. Went to overtime. I watched every second of it. It was it was a late kick. And Arizona outgained them by like 130, 150 yards, something like that. But they turned the ball over five times. Turned the ball over five times. Let's think about this. Arizona turned the ball over five times. I think Mississippi State turned over once. I think it was like five to one turnovers. And it still took Mississippi State to get to overtime to beat Arizona with a quarterback that ended up benching. That's how bad Mississippi State was. And I thought they would lose that game, and they almost did. So I was almost right, but I wasn't right. But all in all, I feel like I nailed Mississippi State. The issue for Mississippi State coming of the year for me, the reason I was low on them, was they were trying to take an offense and a and an offensive roster, more importantly, that had run the air raid. Mike Leach's version of the air raid. Not just like an air raid-esque offense. Not just an offense with air raid principles. The truest version of the air raid in college football. Mike Leach's air raid. They're trying to take that team and those players and force them to run a pro-style system. A downhill rushing attack. And they're going to make that transition in one year? I thought it was coaching suicide for Zach Arnett. Dude, you have to know that you are... On, I don't want to say on thin ice, you have a very tenuous hold on that job. You got that job because of Mike Leach passing away, and they didn't want to go into coaching search after that. They, that would be a very bad look, the opposite of that, so they just promoted from within. But you knew that you had to have a good year or you're going to be fired. And you decide it's in your best interest to keep that job, to transition that offense and go from the air raid to this pro-style attack. They don't have the lineman for it. You don't have a quarterback. You have a quarterback who's never turned his back to a defense in his in his quarterback life, even going back to high school, he ran the air raid in high school. And you expect that to go smoothly? You expect that to work out well enough for you to win seven or eight games in one year? Making that transition in one year without the pieces to do it in the SEC? There's no way. What are you possibly doing? It's almost like, did you just want to get fired? Did you want to get the payday and get fired and then you could go wherever you wanted to? Is that what you really what you wanted? Because if that's not the answer, I don't know what you were possibly thinking there. I, I don't know. And it worked out exactly how I thought it would work out. I think I even said on the show in the preseason that Zach Arnett might get fired because of, of this decision. And yeah, it kind of worked out that way. So no, I didn't get the prediction exactly right. They went five and seven. They beat Arizona. I didn't think they would beat Arizona. Give them credit. I guess they won that game. But I feel like I was all over Mississippi State for the most part. All right. So overall, within one game, I had five teams out of 14 correct. 
Curtis had six out of 14 teams correct, and you had eight out of 14 teams correct. That's all within one game of being correct. So I'm not good at math. I think there's one of those that was over 50%, right? Correct. However. Who was that one over 50%? It was you. However, I beat you you on exact records. Mm, I I had four teams correct. Mm, Okay. You had Georgia. You had Kentucky. You had Auburn. You, no, you'd have Auburn. No, okay. You, no, you had Bama. You had Bama and Mississippi State. All right. Curtis had two teams Good correct. Good for you, Charlie. You had three teams correct. So, you so beat I me on think that, one. that I won overall. You? I don't know if that's how that works. I think it is. Well, you are the star of the podcast. So if you say it is, I guess that's how what it is. What I say Charlie. goes. Exactly. So let's take another break before we get into the postseason. All right, guys, I want to remind you again about our friends at Alumni Hall. Charlie said at the outside of the show, it's been cold, y'all. It's been wet. So. If you find yourself in those situations, it's all good. Go to Alumni Hall. You can stop by in-store inside the Edgebury Shopping Center here in Athens or just online at alumnihall.com. they got a ton of great cold weather gear. Whatever style you're looking for, they've got it. If you're a hoodie guy like me, they've got you covered. If you like the full zips, they got you covered. A Q-zip, they got you covered. You want a big, thick coat, they've got you covered. i got a great bomber jacket from Alumni Hall. Also, if you're trying to stay dry, they can help you out with a great selection of rain jackets, umbrellas, all sorts of things to help you stay out of the weather conditions, at least deal with the weather conditions. So make sure to check out Alumni Hall because that is where the Bulldogs shop. Let's talk about the SEC Championship, shall we? We'll make it quick. Yeah. I can tell you're still a little down. I mean, everybody knows what happened. I mean, yeah, Charlie, I'm going to be down for a while. Yes, I mean, well, I'm fine if I don't think about it, but then I think about it and it's like, oh, that all, happened. Well, all three of us had UGA in the SEC championship. Curtis had us playing against LSU, whereas we both had Bama and So UGA. Curtis was way, way more wrong than we were. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sorry, Kurt. We love you, man. However, we all had UGA winning the SEC championship, so we all got that we wrong. We were all wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... Anything you want to say about that? You've already covered the officiating and blah, blah, blah. So moving on Yeah, I think I've essentially already talked about it today. I talked about it a million times earlier. You guys know how I feel. Uh, Yeah, Um, I still think we should have won, but we didn't. All right, moving on to the playoff. Uh, We picked the teams that we thought would get in as well as a winner. Um, We'll start with Curtis. He had UGA, Texas, Michigan, and Clemson. So he had two of the four teams correct. Um, Yeah. I had UGA, Penn State, FSU, and Michigan. Uh, had one of the teams correct. You tried, Charlie. I tried. No, wait, so wait, are you? Are, did you still win overall if you got one of the playoff teams? I mean, I I just think that the playoff was a well, it's, block. it's fraudulent. It's it, fraudulent. Yeah, there, it's fraudulent. it was just yeah, it was Absolutely a ripoff. Fraudulent. Um, you had UGA, FSU, Michigan, and Texas, so you had two of the teams. Um, we all picked UGA to win the national championship, but we didn't even get into the playoffs. So we were not given that. an invitation to the invitational. We know that. You have talked about this a lot. Probably too much. I'm the sure people are tired of hearing me talk about it. know your feelings. It's a sad time in your life. In case you're wondering, Charlie, I'm still not over it. I'm sure you are not. Is there anything you would like to say about the playoff teams and anything that you have not already said? Now yeah. is your time to speak. Yeah. Burn it all down. Burn the whole thing down. Burn it all. Everything. Destroy. I want to watch it all go up in flames. That's still where I am right now. No, I mean, in all seriousness, yes, I still actually kind of feel that way. Yeah, I actually feel good about my playoff picks. I think that we should have gotten in. 
even with the loss to Bama, I, I still think it's fraudulent we did not get in. I still think it's fraudulent that we didn't have a chance to play for the national title when we were by far the best team in the country and that we were the number one team in the college football playoff 24 hours before those games were played on championship week. And all of a sudden, now we go from being the first best team to the sixth best team because we lost to the team that the committee thought was also one of the four best teams. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, we all know. It makes no sense. It's fraudulent. We all know this, okay? Uh, Michigan, I felt strongly they would, they would uh, win the Big Ten, and they did. Texas, I thought was going to win the Big 12. Big 12. I thought Texas was going to be very good this year. They were. Uh, Florida State, I actually, I kind of, don't we deserve credit? I think, Charlie, I think we should get credit for Florida State because they would have been in if Jordan Travis's leg had not fallen off. I agree. Like, everything that we knew of Florida State, we thought would be one of the four best teams, and they were one of the four best teams if the quarterback's leg didn't fall off. They got left out because the quarterback's leg fell off. So I think we got that one right, even though they didn't get in. Does that make sense? I don't, you're the, you're the star of the podcast. Can we allow that? Works for me. Okay, so you got two of four, I got three of four, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, I mean, Florida State, I, I thought was going to run through the ACC because the ACC is freaking weak. Curtis had Clemson in the playoffs and I didn't want to like when he rolled that pick out he's not here to defend himself so I'm really I'm not I'm not gonna jump all over curse but when he rolled that pick out in August and he said Clemson I didn't push him too much on that because I you know I didn't want to be this is like didn't want to be that guy but it's also like Clemson I did not believe in Clemson at all coming into this year I mean I, I just don't know why that would have been a playoff team. Like, what do they have coming back to make anyone think they were going to be a playoff team? So I, I wasn't on Clemson. That's what, that's the big part of why I was on Florida State. Is my point. I didn't think there was a challenger to Florida State. I didn't think Clemson was good enough to be. I knew they were getting that game at Clemson. I understand that they were getting that game at Clemson. And that's a tough place to play. But Clemson, their roster just wasn't close as good as Florida State's. And that game, I mean, Clemson almost won that game. So maybe Curtis was more right than 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 I than I make it out to be. Like cause Clemson should have won that game if their kicker that got off the street didn't miss that field goal. But I just felt Florida State so roster roster was far better. It was, and I didn't see a challenger to Florida State. And so I felt sure they were going to get in. I felt confident. I shouldn't say sure. I felt confident that they would get in. And as far as I'm concerned, they did get in, but they didn't, which I know makes no sense. But they would have gotten in if their quarterback's leg had not fallen off. But I don't know, Charlie. I feel like I'm just like. I'm just just talking now. I have no idea. I know I'm just going all over the place. Well, before we get out of here, you made a lot of money off of Washington getting into the playoff. Congratulations. I would give every cent of it back, Charlie, as none I've said many of, times. None of us had Washington getting into the playoff. So what's your take on that? You're right, Charlie. I was I was very high on Washington. Um, I, I know I've said many times, yes, had a – a future bet on them to make the college football playoff. I had a future bet on them to win the Pac-12. Both those hit. But as I've said a couple times, in the aftermath of that happening and the, how the college football playoff played out, I would I would gladly give back every cent of that and and far more if it meant that we would have gotten to the playoff. Just, you know, whatever. Didn't work out that way. But yeah, I, I did did hit on Washington. However, I know it's, it's one of those things. Like, I felt they were going to be good enough to win the Pac-12. I felt they were good enough to to get in the college football playoff potentially. I, I felt like getting, them getting in the college football playoff was like a long shot. I took a flyer on that. I thought they would win the Pac-12. I felt pretty good about them winning the Pac-12. I thought it was going to be them or Oregon. I did not believe in USC. And since that game against Oregon was played in Washington, in Seattle, I that's what gave me, that's to me, what put Washington over the top. So that's why I put money on them to win the Pac-12. However, I thought the Pac-12 would somewhat cannibalize itself. And I thought they would win the Pac-12 with two losses, with a loss or two. And I didn't think that would be good. I wasn't confident enough that that would be good enough to get in the college playoff. I wasn't confident enough to put that on our official picks. Yes, I was confident enough to put a flyer on it, to put some money on it, just to see what happens. And that ended up hitting. In retrospect, um, I don't know. I mean, who would I put them in over? 
They shouldn't have gotten in. I mean, I know they ended up making the national championship game, but I mean, were they really better than Georgia? I mean, absolutely not. Yeah, that's what it comes down to. I mean, I looked at, I thought Washington would have been the fifth team for me. If Georgia, Florida State, Michigan, Texas, they would have been the fifth team for me. But I wasn't going to take Texas out. I felt Texas was going to win the the Big Twelve. I didn't think there was a true challenger to them in the Big Twelve. There wasn't. Um, Michigan. I knew Ohio State was a challenger, but I felt Michigan was going to be better because I felt they had a lot more coming back, and I wasn't convinced. Just like with Bama, I was not sold on Ohio State's quarterback situation, and that certainly played out the way I kind of thought it would. Florida State, as I said, did nothing had a, had a true challenger in the ACC. I felt like they got by LSU, and I thought that they would be LSU, put some money on that early in the year in Week One. Then they were going to run through the ACC, which is exactly what happened. Then they get, we all know what happened in getting left out, and we all know what happened with Georgia. So Washington was Team Five for me. I just when I was making these preseason predictions, like, well, who am I going to bump out of these top four? Who's who am I bumping out? And I felt those four teams had a better chance and were just better teams, honestly, than Washington was. The only team I would take that back now, I would say, because Washington beat Texas, they really wasn't altogether too close. I know it was kind of close late, but I think and Washington played really, really well in that game. Michael Penix went bananas and played in a way that he hadn't played most of the year. But um, yeah, I still think we were better than Washington. Obviously, Michigan was better than Washington, the way they won the national championship game. I think Florida State, if they were fully healthy, was better than Washington. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, that's why I have Washington. I know it's kind of weird because I did have them. It's like I've had people ask me that. It's like, wait, you had you put this win total bet on them to make the playoffs yet you didn't have them. If I remember correctly, you didn't have them in your your playoff predictions. And I was like, yeah, I, I know it seems weird, right? So I just want to explain my thinking there. I know that seems somewhat contradictory, actually very contradictory, but that that's where my mind was on that. All right, well that's all of the games from the season. I think we did pretty well overall, you know. We'll look forward to next season. We won't have an Eastern Division and a Western Division. That's going to take some getting used to. You know, and well, I guess we'll have to um, make the playoff into 12 spots. Well, I mean, we would have made the playoff this year. We would have won the National Championship if there was a 12-team playoff this year. No, so. I'm saying when we do our picks, we have to Oh, we have to do our, Oh, my it. God, this year? We're gonna, right. We have to make all 12 playoff teams? And I think that we should. Whoa, Okay. Also, go a step further and name the four teams that get a buy. Okay, so we'll do that in seven months. Sure. Oh my God, that's no. It's almost February. It's almost February, Charlie. We're we're almost one month down. Let's go. Only seven more to go. Let's go. Sure. No, I I say five more because once we get in July and like fall campus almost starting up and media days is almost here. That's me. To me, that's like that's football season. So. Five more, Charlie. Five more, and we'll get there. All right. Well, oh, my God. It's going to be a long offseason. Well, let's end the show on a high note since you are not as depressed as you have been. I tried. I knew that this was going to be hard for me when we got to the, the playoff picks, and I've tried. I've tried. Well, congratulations. I, I know I failed. You, you did it. <laughs> I failed. That was a great show. Real quick, I don't know if we're going to have you back. I don't know when the next time we'll have you back on. Which row game are you looking most forward to this season? Everyone's all about Texas. No. I'm still so pissed they put that on the Formula One weekend. No. That is just, oh my God, that that is brutal. No, thank you. Okay, so not Texas. Bama, Tuscaloosa, you love Tuscaloosa? <laughs> I mean, been there, done that. Yeah. What, for a Georgia-Alabama game? Yeah. When? During the pandemic. But that wasn't the, the full vibe. Right, but I just, I'm not, like, it's fine. Okay, so not Bama. So Ole Miss? You don't um, you don't like Oxford, right? I don't like Oxford. I think I don't I wouldn't say I don't like it. I think it's overrated. I, it's it's a long drive. Um there's not really any convenient place to stay. It's a very small town. Makes it you difficult. You mean a square? 
Yeah. Yes, makes yeah. it difficult to, you know, get in at restaurants and whatnot. It is a madhouse. I yeah. will give you that. And the Grove is the most overrated thing of college football. Sure. Would you agree? I mean, it's if you like that sort of thing. I just, I mean, you see tailgating everywhere in the SEC. I mean, I know it's all concentrated in one spot, so okay, cool. But I, I was just not, I've never been blown away by that. It's fine. It's whatever. So that leaves uh, Lexington. Is that what you're saying? I like Lexington. Or Jacksonville. Is it when is the Kentucky game? Is it, it's earlier this year, so it could be real it's hot. Week three. Oh man, we didn't. I've never been there that early. Ooh, it might be. It's hot. actually before the horses even are running. Well, that works for me. I don't ever go to the horses. I, yeah, races. I don't understand. The, I mean, I, people like racing. That's great. I just don't understand, like on a college ball weekend, why you'd go there on a Saturday, like when college well, everybody on. has different. Yeah, no, yeah, know, I'm not. I just, I just, I just don't get. It. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. So what, I don't care if the horses are running or not. What road game are you most looking forward to? I would definitely say Texas if it wasn't the Formula One weekend. Now that I'm having to pay like um, a three times premium on hotels and airfare, and it's just gonna be a freaking madhouse in Austin. I think Austin also is overrated. It's not a college town. Maybe once upon a time it was. Um, I ran a marathon in Austin a couple years ago, and I was just like, I was shocked at what that place has become. It's not a right. It's not. Have you been there? No, it's a huge city. Yeah, it is. It is a. It's a. Yeah, it's a metropolitan area. Like it's it's crazy. So I I still I've never been there for a game. I would I would have said that, but with the whole situation, it's just got me down about that. Probably Alabama. Although Tuscaloosa is not the greatest town, it's just gonna be. I've never I've never been to a Georgia Alabama game in Tuscaloosa that was full go. Like I was there for the COVID game, right, but like but that's not a real experience. They have a new coach. I just don't yeah, that does think take something that, that be, does take something away from. I don't it. think it's going to be what you wanted it to be. Yeah, that does take like something away from it. Like an all-time rivalry between yeah. God, yeah, that Saban does. and his. And I, you know, I'm pissed he retired. Protégé. What are you doing? So, screw you, Saban. He just didn't want to give us another shot. That's really what is that why he retired? He was like, screw it. I, don't, I know Curry's about to take over, and I don't want to give him another chance. Congratulations to him. He yeah. deserves no, a no, nice I actually, retirement. No, no, I actually like I actually like Saban, so good for him. Maybe Lexington. Maybe Lexington. I do love Lexington. It's a great city. But um, All right, guys. Any, any last words, Charlie? That's it for me. All right, guys. That does it for us today. So, yep, that's what we got right. That's what we got wrong. You win some and you lose some, but we'll be back at it next year. Yeah, what did I say? Like seven months, six months? We'll be back, and uh, I guess Charlie's right. We're going to have to try to predict 12 playoff teams. That's going to be quite an adventure but uh we'll give it our best shot like we did this year but thanks for being here guys always appreciate you real quickly before we get out of here our next episode we are going to be running a georgia football 2023 award show in the past i've always put this out to you guys to vote on twitter but you can always see the results there so it's kind of anticlimactic so this year we're doing it a little bit differently i'm going to do this with a google form so i'm going to post said google form on Twitter, but the reason I'm doing that is again, I just I want the results to be secretive and I want to reveal them on the show. That way it's a little bit more dramatic, but I still want you guys to vote on it. We do this every year, we have you guys vote on it, and then we reveal them and we, we, we react to the picks, we explain whether we agree, disagree, so on and so forth, right? So we are gonna do that again this year, just gonna do it a little bit differently. So be looking on Twitter, look on social media, look on Instagram for that link to that Google Doc, and vote. We want you guys to vote. We want you to have your voice heard. We want this to be the, the listener picks. We think that makes it more fun, so it'll take you about 30 seconds. It won't be long. Just have some fun with it and tell us what you think, and we will reveal those winners later this week. But all right, guys, we are out of here. For Charlie, I'm Tyler, and as always, go dogs. <laughs>